this edition of my podcast is slightly different. It's longer. It's 30 minutes long. And it came about because I was recently interviewed by Being ACCA. I was a guest on their uh, podcast and I thought I would share that interview. I was cross-examined. I was interviewed about what SBR represented, how to approach the paper, the sort of things that came up. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. So usually we have seen that many students start as with SBR as their first professional paper. So uh, like what would you give uh, advice to the, these students who want to who are leveling up from skill level to professional level with SBR? Okay, well, I think first of all they've made the right decision. Uh, I think uh, SBR is the gateway paper to the strategic professional exams. So that's the first thing. Secondly, there is a difference between the skills level and the strategic professional level, and that's implicit within your question. At the skills level, you know, at FR, you've got multiple choice questions, objective testing, if you want to call it that. You've got accounts preparation questions. And to be blunt, you haven't really got a lot of uh, written or analytical work compared to the strategic compared to strategic professional levels. So there's an overlap of knowledge. There is an overlap between FR and SBR. Provisions, impairment, cash flow, groups, depreciation, revaluation, all get tested both at FR and get retested at SBR. So I don't think students should be frightened of, of looking at their basic knowledge, understanding the framework, but they have to be aware that it's going to be tested in a different way. And it's often tested in an integrated way and in an applied way. And so once they've soaked in the knowledge, once they've got the knowledge, it's always important to practice exam questions and to appreciate sometimes in SBR, there isn't a right answer. If you're answering a, an objective test question, either the answer is right or wrong. If you're preparing a set of accounts, putting together some numbers, pretty much they're right or wrong. In strategic business reporting, if you're explaining to a client, explaining to an investor how this situation might be dealt with, maybe there's more than one way of dealing with that situation. So, yeah, I acknowledge the gap. I acknowledge the gap. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, absolutely so. So the next thing that they have asked us is, according to you, what are some of the commonly tested topics in SBR, like some of the most hot topics in SBR? Okay, so there are certain themes that do run through strategic business reporting. But I don't want to, I don't want to uh, question spot. I, I, I want students who are preparing for the strategic business reporting exam to understand that it's a compulsory exam for the whole exam and that you've got no control over what you're about to be asked. 
So full syllabus coverage is always to be recommended. But anybody who looks at a SPR exam will be aware that question one is on groups, is on consolidations, and other things as well. Question two is going to be on ethics yeah. and other things as well. Question three and four is on everything. And in other words, you could have a little bit of groups appearing in, in, in question three and four. They deal with the accounting standards. And question four nowadays, looking forward, will tend to have a question, tend to have a requirement which will make you think from an investor perspective. All right. So that's not a topic in its own right, but it's a it's it's an angle on any topic. Can you explain this to an investor? Can you help an investor understand why investment properties are revalued by some businesses but are kept at cost by other businesses? Can you explain to an investor why a foreign currency exchange difference appears in the PL for the individual company but appears in equity for other companies? So it's not about it it it's it, it's not about learning more stuff, but it's about having an awareness that we're going to have to be explaining things to an investor. So common themes, groups, you've got to know your groups. And these days, of course, we've got our pre-populated spreadsheet. So there is a reservation of a few numbers for marks, a few, a few, uh, a set number of marks there are reserved for numbers, maybe 10, maybe 12, right? Ethics, Application, 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 looking at your uh, core pillars, not regurgitating them, but making sure they're applied in the situation. So question practice and then your accounting standards all mixed up or overlaid on each other. So, you know, you could get a question which you have a scenario where a client comes to you and their factory has burned down. And because of the fire, there's been some pollution or damage to the local woodland next door. There's been some environmental damage. And the company has an insurance claim, has an insurance policy for fire damage. Discuss. And in looking at that one situation, we're layering in a bit of impairment because the fire damage means that we've got to think about the factory as, as as being written down. We've got a bit of a potential liability under ISA 37 to do with the damage to the environment. Are we are we uh, politically correct? Are, do we have a policy around sustainability and environmental rectification? We may not be legally obliged to do so, but some companies do anyway. And then we've got a contingent asset in the context of the insurance claim. And anyone who just regurgitates the definitions of the standards is starting at the wrong, is starting in the wrong place. Yeah. Because a client can look at Google. A client can go to Google and ask, what's the definition of impairment? That was not never going to be the requirement of the question. You've got a practical, unique, integrated situation. And what the student is doing is bringing their skills and awareness. I'm picking up a few marks here and a few marks there and a few marks there. So it's not about knowing 
absolutely everything about that one particular standard. It's about being able to apply it when it comes up. So I'm not I'm never going to question spot. But I know there are those themes running through the exam. Yeah, it's basically it's a written exam. OK, so the next question that they have asked us is, uh, what do you think of the recent changes in the SBR exams from September attempt? Like, do you think it will be advantages for the students who are appearing for the exams? What do you think? In my opinion, yes, it would be. Why? Since it is like they'll be getting like a pre-populated uh, worksheet and, you know, they'll get a framework as to how they have to answer. So, yeah. Yes, I think I think those students who are aware of the changes and who have the right approach to the changes could benefit, will benefit. And I think from an ACCA perspective and from a student employment perspective, it's it's a good change because it, it means the exam is becoming a little bit more real world, a little bit more employment situation. However, there is sometimes the law of unintended circumstances. And I lie awake at night sometimes worried that students are going to see question one, 10 marks, do some numbers, and they're going to try and get a balance sheet to balance. And they're going to spend their time calculating, head down, not looking at the clock, eating up the time, and that's going to destroy their overall performance and ability to pass. So that's my caveat. I think there will be, unfortunately, some students who aren't listening to this podcast, who, who aren't prepared to just move on, who do obsess with the numbers and don't get it in the same way that a well-prepared student does. So yeah, as with every change, there are winners and losers. Yeah. But I hope it's, I hope, I hope a well-prepared student will benefit. I agree with you. A well-prepared student will benefit. Right. So thank you so much for answering that. Now we have some questions that we would like to ask you. So uh, there are a lot of students appearing for the SBR exam and an examiner who is checking their answer scripts has so many answer scripts to go through. So what do you think a student can do that will make their answer, uh, answer script stand out as against others? So what different can they do to possibly impress their marker to, you know, award them some extra marks? Okay. Okay. So I like, I like, I like the question. Um, first of all, the ACCA's system of marking is amazing. All right. Um, and a student will not be marked by one marker. But each question is marked by a separate marker. So they have so so a marker will mark a thousand question ones. Yeah. And a separate marker will mark a thousand question twos. So the individual student has to make a good first impression four times. The, the marker is marking the script. They're not marking the individual. They can only mark what is in front of them. And so if a student writes nothing, 
Well, funnily enough, <laughs> a marker cannot give them any marks. But if they write something, then there is the benefit of doubt. One of the things that I like to see on an answer script is a little bit of white space. Because if you're being asked to write to answer a question for five marks, I don't I, I, I get a headache. Yeah. Marking on the screen. Get a headache. If I see a big block. Yeah. It's not friendly. If you're doing five marks, maybe you're thinking that the answer should be presented. With five points. Because students who are familiar with the marking guide, students who are familiar with the examiner's reports, basically know it's one mark per valid point. So a well-presented answer is broken down. And a, a student should challenge the marker to give me a mark for this sentence, for this, for this example, and then leave a space. And then there's another point. Yeah. And so I repeat, if it's a five marker, then maybe we're looking for four or five things to be said. You don't have to get 100 percent to pass. And maybe there's a little bit of a rhythm as well. Maybe maybe some students are like me. That when they see a requirement to a question, they get all excited and they kind of yeah, write it all down. Yeah. But the advantage of computer based exams is you can edit your own answer. So if you've written, if you started with the conclusion because you see the answer, you know what the conclusion should be. So you write that first of all. Actually, when you when you look back, you think actually it would be better structured for the definition and the context to be at the beginning, yeah. the discussion of the points in the middle and the conclusion at the end that it isn't an impairment loss or the, the impairment loss should go to equity or, you know, it, it's a non-cash expense and there's no or there is a deferred tax implication or whatever it is. And you've started with what deferred tax is or what impairment is. And and then you've, you've brought in the information in the middle. So, you know, I think I think students have to be able to edit their own answers and realize that someone else is going to mark them. So presentation and not writing in the spreadsheet functionality. There's a small minority of students who open up the spreadsheet functionality and write everything in it. And it's it, it, it just annoys the markers. Just. It's not the best way to make a friends with a marker. If it's a narrative answer put it in the word response. And you can even put some simple numbers in there as well. Yeah, only use the spreadsheet functionality if it's really needed. And, you know, it's it's we're not doing financial management. It's not a test of your ability to write complicated formulas and stuff. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep your presentation simple. So I agree with that totally. Uh, so a lot of students are also afraid of consolidation. So what do you think, uh, you know, what would you like to tip them so that, you know, you make their lives a little easier? If I'm feeling a bit mischievous, I would say I'm glad they're afraid. You know, if, if, if that fear engenders respect, if that fear means that they're going to put a bit of extra work in and realize 
that it's a demanding, technically challenging area, then that's a good thing. If, however, fear means that they're scared and demotivated and they're not going to address it and they hide they hide away from it, then 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 let's be mature. Let's grow up a little bit. Let's be professional because being part of being professional is, is tackling difficult areas is is not is not is not being shy of complexity life is complex so we have to deal with those complexities so yeah you can break down groups um you've always got to remember when you're studying groups can you explain what is going on and that's the first priority and then secondly can you illustrate the numbers and i do think sometimes students try and wrote learner pro forma first and i don't think that's the right way so to understand that goodwill is the premium arising on consolidation to understand that goodwill is taken by you know what we've paid for the bit that we've bought and what the value or the figure ascribed to the non-controlling interest is that gives us 100% of the business and then if we compare the value of the business as a whole with the resources, the fair value of the net assets of the subsidiary, if we've paid more, if the value is more than the actual assets, the value of what we've paid, the aggregate of the parent and the NCI is more than the net assets, then there's a magic going on. There's a synergy going on. You've bought something which you can't touch. You've, you've, maybe you've been ripped off, but we don't call it an expense we call it an asset we call it an intangible asset we call it goodwill now if you understand that then it it seems relatively straightforward that three numbers go into the calculation of goodwill the parents investment i.e the controlling interest the nci i.e the bit we don't own and all of the fair value of the net assets so the 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 the, the group accounts is always going to be based around an explanation and then the numbers support it. And if uh, and that, that explanation is about an understanding. And then it then it's OK, then it's OK. But if you just try and learn numbers and just do numbers. It's always different numbers, isn't it? So it's harder that way. Right. So uh, ACCA just recently launched the study hub. So the you know the pros and cons are still under discussion students are using it they are seeing whether or not you know it's to their use so what do you have to say about that do you think it could help students um yes and no um it's basically a textbook um and so it's a rival to the bpp textbook and the kaplan textbook uh, it contains lots and lots and lots of words and some examples. So clearly it's not a bad thing. But you can have TMI. Yeah. Are you familiar with TMI? Yeah. Too, Too much, much information. information. Too much information. And I think students at the strategic professional stage really benefit from 
explanations, from uh, having their questions answered, from having their homework and their mock exams answered. And so, you know, I have designed and I deliver my own courses and I build in, you know, I build right the way through that course interaction through WhatsApp, uh, support through WhatsApp, and also taking in marking so that students can understand what they're doing right and can understand how to improve. And that's the same with mock exams, you know. So um, there's always a limit to there's always a limit to anything that's kind of just out there, isn't there? You know, students have to do the work, but if they can be supported uh, by marking and by WhatsApp and by having the the best material, then obviously that's that's ideal. So I understand why the ACCA have done it. There are many students who in the past have used out of date material or no material. Um, and obviously, with the availability of the internet, um, and it, it's 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 a it's a rehash of the um, of some some old material they had lying around. So um, yeah, well done, ACCA. It's it's a good initiative, but uh, that's my context. What do you think of it? What do you think of the study hub? Um, in my opinion, I think it's good for the skill level students more because it contains like quizzes and all of the, those things, which is like a little bit informative as well as it's engaging as well for them. Yeah, I think skills is skills is just to talk directly to bluntly skills is easier yeah. because skills is, is well, it is easier. It's a it's a lower level, but it's also more knowledge based. So the the self-studying student who puts their head down and works really hard and does lots of past exam questions will see that at skills, those past exam questions are reheated, rehashed. Yeah. There's a limit, you know, um, and so students can do well. And I think at the strategic professional level, there does need to be a bit of a rethink as to how students uh, approach those exams so that they have an understanding and have an ability to communicate that understanding and apply it. And at, at, and once you've got that, once you've got your first strategic professional exam under your belt, life does become a little bit easier because you kind of get it in terms of um, how to answer the questions. I suppose the exception to that is is financial management, strategic financial management. That, that to me, and, and I, I, I don't want to be misinterpreted in this way, but that to me is a little bit more like a skills level pay in that it, it's a relatively narrow, predictable, number-based exam. So it, it appeals to that sort of hard work, rote learning approach. And so some students do very well in passing that that optional paper but i think that stands on its own compared to strategic business leader which is all bullshit sorry which is all um applied knowledge and using the information in the question and explaining and discussing rather than actually coming up with business models and 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 definitions that have been learned 
it, it's it's a whole new environment, which is why I always recommend that strategic business leader is done last, because students have have built up their built up their writing skills and built up their awareness of sometimes the information in the question needs just to be incorporated in the answer in a slightly different way in order to get the uh, in order to pick up the marks. I've forgotten what the question was. I hope that was relevant. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so uh, let's come to our last segment now. We have uh, some of the fun questions that we want to ask you. So the first question is, uh, how do you like to spend your time when you are not actually teaching students, like not taking classes or anything? I teach all the time. It's all that I ever do. It's my It's my one true love. No, um, I uh, I like to watch rugby. Um, I like to uh, go to the pub, um, and I'm a grandfather, so I like to hang out with my grandkids. That's lovely. Okay, so <laughs> now we have like a quick, quick round of this or this or that questions. So you can be as quick in answering them them as sure. you can be. So the first question is, uh, do, what do you enjoy more, teaching or studying? Studying. Okay. Uh, ACCS Study Hub or BPP and Captain Kids? Uh, Tom Clendon material. <laughs> Taking live classes or do you like marking answer scripts more? Live classes. Have you ever visited India? Yes. Uh, like which part of uh, India did you visit? Uh, I have been many times. Uh, I've been to Pakistan. I have been to Nepal. I've had the pleasure of coming to your country for work through ACCA, uh, inviting me to run train the trainer courses uh, back in the day. So uh, yeah, I have um, I have been to India, and I have also been to Little India in Singapore. I've also been to the East End of London. Uh, so uh, yes, I always enjoy. The food and the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you been to the UK? Yeah. Did you like the UK? Where did you go? Uh, London, we went, I think I go, I went through a school trip and it was wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I just I came in the month of July, Tom. I visited Scotland as well. I was in Scotland in July. <laughs> uh, I, I, my wife is Scottish okay. and we go every year. And I hope uh, I hope you got out into the countryside. Uh, I visited more of uh, Edinburgh. Yeah, Edinburgh like is very things. historic. Yeah, Edinburgh is very historic. Yeah, my niece lives there. Um, it's a beautiful city, but for me, the joy of Scotland is the is the locks, and the coast, and the castles, and and yeah, and the haggis, of course. Did you have any haggis? Was it haggis season? Next time, next time. Okay, so the last question is, uh, have you ever watched uh, a Bollywood movie? Have I ever watched a Bollywood movie? Uh, no, not from start to finish, no. I'm aware of the genre. I have certainly sat in many a restaurant where it's playing in the background, um, but I have not watched a Bollywood movie. Sorry. <laughs> no worries, okay, that's... That's good. 
so uh, let's uh, we have like a last question before we end this podcast so tushita would you like to go ahead so yeah as we conclude uh, what are the tips that you would leave for the sbr students who are just about to attempt the september sbr exam okay so my main tip is is not to rely on luck is 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 to make your own luck and to go into that exam knowing that you have enough knowledge to get 50% you haven't got enough knowledge to get 100% nobody knows everything all right so the idea of like cramming more and more and more knowledge into your head is not necessarily the right thing to do the night before the exam if you acknowledge that you have enough information and technical knowledge to get 50% in the exam your challenge therefore in the exam itself is to be marked out of 100 yeah time management is key i've just been i've just spent the last couple of days marking my students uh first mock exam their first revision mock exam and although i've marked lots of their work in the past this is set in on a timed environment on the acca on on the area that i rent on the acca practice platform and overwhelmingly the 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 feedback and the dialogue that i'm having is this awareness of how tight time is and there's no point in being great at groups and getting you know 20 out of 30 and being great at ethics and getting 15 you know marks out of ethics if you don't also do question 4 because if you run out of time and you don't complete the exam if you're marked out of 70 marked out of 80 it's not going to happen so time management j m o j m o when you're in that exam you just must move on just move on your favorite question comes up and it's for five marks when you've said four good things maybe it's time to move on to the next question you cannot get 6 out of 5 you cannot get 7 out of 5 there is low hanging fruit to be had in the next question all right so i mean another another piece of advice based on uh, i know you asked for one but i'm sorry i'm going to give you more than one um breadth and depth breadth and depth much more important is breadth much more important is breadth you need to know something about everything there could be a question on segmental reporting or related parties or alternative performance measures or on foreign currency exchange differences or on pensions or on provisions and you've got to be able to come up with something you've got to know something that you can apply to that situation there is no point in being the world's expert on financial instruments and derivatives but have never looked at share based payments no point so breadth because you know no one standard seems to be examined yes there are technical points being examined but it's not it's not like the old days where you would get a 25 mark question on revisions or a 25 mark question on share based payments those questions aren't being set it's a complex integrated world 
not a expert world. It's about communication. It's not about um, you have the knowledge. It's how you communicate that knowledge. So you've got to write it down. It's three hours, 15 minutes, time management, JMO, time management, JMO, time management, JMO, time management, JMO. Did I make the point? Very well, very well. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are very, you know, grateful that you took out the time. Despite the time differences, we met and we are meeting for the good of the students. So um, thank you so much for bringing the, the wealth of knowledge and experience that you brought to this podcast. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you very much.